0: Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people
1: who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, a podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont. I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for nearly 15 years now. With WellTactic Rebels, we try to bring you content that provides both noteworthy and uncommon tactics, as well as content that you can start applying to your life to help bring you prosperity. But Rebels, we need your help to continue to improve. Help us by going to your preferred listening medium, whatever that is you're listening on right now, and rate and review our show. Let us know what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and also, if there's anything you found resonating with you about this particular episode, let us know that as well. Today, we're joined by a guest, Nick Loper. Nick, how are you today?
0: Doing well, Kevin. How are you?
1: Doing pretty well, considering I've been stuck indoors for, (laughs) what is this, nearly two months at the time of this recording here? We're (laughs) on
0: lockdown.
1: Lockdown, yeah. Uh, A lot of people are, I think, in the same situation, but Nick and I were just chatting a little bit. We're coping, we're adjusting. It's a change in life. What do you think, Nick? I think there are going to be lasting changes in the way that people live their lives going forward from everything that's been happening with the COVID-19 and everything else. Uh,
0: I think you're right. I think we're already starting to see some of that in our own personal lives. We're like, why would we spend in half of our uh, morning every weekend going to the grocery store? We just hit a button and the stuff will show up. It's like, right, man, you know? So th- yeah. there's that element of it. There's the, I think we're at an inflection point for remote work where all these companies right. that are able to have their employees work from home are going to be questioning the need to have this big, expensive commercial lease. Sure. And even if they still want to go back to that office when it's safe to do so, they may be more open to hiring remote contractors, remote freelancers, remote full-time employees. So I think that's a big plus as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to forever change business landscape and employment in particular, which brings us to our topic today, which is side hustle in the brave new world, because that's what it's going to be. We have a new world going on. And that, I think, from what I see, you know, we see these staggering numbers of people being unemployed, people not being able to go into work, like Nick is talking about, people working remotely. So that's opening up the side hustle, I think, more, or at least maybe more people are thinking about it, if not diving into it. So, today we're going to talk a little bit about what Nick sees going on. Nick does the Side Hustle Nation. So, we talk about what he sees going on with the trends out there right now and a little bit about if you're thinking about doing a side hustle or just starting one, how can you find ways to come up with ideas of what to do? But before we get into that, Nick, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about where you came from and what inspired you to do what you do today. You
0: bet. So I've been hosting the side hustle show at SideHustleNation.com nation.com for the last seven years. We're closing in on 400 episodes. Wow. Mostly interviews with part time entrepreneurs who have either quit their job or just love what they're doing. And hey, I built this thing on the side. Nice. But prior to that, my original side hustle was in the. Footwear space. I had built a comparison shopping site for shoes, which nice. I understand kind of dates me since comparison shopping is not what it once was. But if you remember <laughs> back in the day, you could go to Price Grabber or Nextag or shopping.com and punch in whatever you were looking for, and these sites would tell you where you could find the best price. I essentially built that engine, except just for footwear and earn money as an affiliate, as a commission, anytime somebody would buy shoes through the site. So that was the vehicle that let me quit my job. And I was running that for several years before starting the blog and podcast uh, on the side. And Very cool. it's been a ton of fun.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's nothing like taking your passion or whatever you choosing on the side and kind of turning it into something that's more, more legitimate, something that's bringing a value to your life consistently. So we were just talking about a little bit here that the world's changed Probably forever. <laughs> Very quickly, matter of fact, more quickly than we've ever seen anything happen, economy-wise, in, in the history that at least as long as we've been alive, maybe in history of this country.
0: Right, we saw a thirty percent contraction in a, a matter of weeks, which exactly. is uh, pretty historically unprecedented. But you can compare it to hundred years ago and Black Friday, you know, all of the Great Depression stuff. Right, we're in a, such a better place today. In that we can work remotely. In that most mm-hmm. of our transactions are digital and cashless. Like, there's not a run on the banks. So, I'm right. grateful for our ability to keep moving in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. And maybe a lot of people. I don't. Maybe you've seen this with what you do, but people who previously didn't have a business that was online or primarily online may have decided to pivot a little bit to try to capture that a lot more now since well you can't do business in person right now.
0: Right. I had an email just the other day from I guess a kids party entertainer. He's like, I'm a clown for hire basically. And right, right. like the party business just evaporated overnight. It's like, well, what am I going to do? Right. So he started putting together these personalized party videos and sending them out to kids. He's like, hey, I was able to book 10 of these, you know, it was like it was a pretty quick pivot. And I'm seeing it in the brick-and-mortar world, too. So in our town, mm-hmm. which is a more California, one of the kind of institutional restaurants is the First Street Ale House. And mm-hmm. almost immediately, they flip the switch and say, hey, we're now the First Street grocery. You can order online, curbside pickup, we'll drop the stuff off in your trunk, you just pay online. And the community is supporting it, too. So I'm seeing some pretty creative ways around that. And they're able to mm-hmm. keep their supply chains open. They're able to keep at least a portion of their team employed throughout this. So that was... Mm-hmm an important way to say like okay how can we get creative about this and, and trying to keep the lights on
1: yeah absolutely so what do you see going on out there with people in regards to your side hustle nation the changes you I mean, you you're mentioned a little bit about okay so this they've become grocery now they're doing the curbside yes. there must be some that's one example but there must be some trends that you really see going on that people are taking advantage of
0: yeah so obviously a, a shift towards getting things Delivered has been absolutely huge, which is an opportunity for side hustlers to sign on as delivery drivers. Seen a huge spike in demand for the DoorDashes, the Instacarts, the ship shoppers of the world, which yeah. Yeah. is they're very plug and play. but There's also a ceiling on how much you can realistically expect to earn because it's a skill that almost everyone had. Like, I can drive a car, that's fine. But if you need cash in a hurry, definitely a viable option. Second trend would be this remote work, remote freelancing, remote consulting opportunity as more and more companies say, recognize, hey, we can find talent outside of our neighborhood. This is fantastic. So I Mm -hmm. see that as a trend. And then the other trend is just the explosion in e-commerce, like as everybody else is laying off workforce and hunkering down, Amazon says, we're going to need to hire an extra 100,000 people, which is more than wow. the entire population of my city to like just keep right. up with the extra demand. It's insane. And it's not just Amazon. It's you know smaller retailers that either sell on Amazon or through their own sites as more and more people are shopping online. It's kind of this, there's been a long-term, not necessarily decay or decline in brick and mortar mm. retail, but it's like, here was a big, big leap in that direction.
1: Right, right. No doubt. I mean, you can see the importance of it even more. I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, I was already kind of a busy life, live in a city. So we take advantage of Amazon and deliveries like that very frequently because sometimes it's really hard to get to the store to get what I need. But now it's it's just, can't. (laughs) (laughs) you you need it, you got to order it. Actually, I think they're doing a pretty good job keeping up with demand. Some things that that I've ordered, I notice get delayed a bit. But you know overall, it's not too bad I, and, and it's gotten better earlier on. it was bigger delays yeah. uh, now I think the the industry is adjusting that's at least that's what I see
0: I'm seeing the same early on as like a hey, delivery window for this is three or four weeks out, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I understand you got to prioritize the essential stuff
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. so do you see some sort of trends for for people who were more of a hands on job let's say... You've got your plumbers or your electricians or shoe repair guys or jobs that you had to physically be there, but now they're maybe not so much. Do you see anything going on for those types of people?
0: Yeah, this is definitely a challenge and those would probably all be considered, many of them would be considered essential people. Like my mother-in-law has now had to have a plumber come out twice for different issues. She's like, <laughs> why? why couldn't this have happened before? But in any Ryan, case, right. one example that I absolutely love is a guest on the Side Hustle show whose day job was as an engineer, but nights and weekends, he's uh, turning wrenches in his garage, like a uh, service-based business, I'll fix your right. motorcycle. And it right. started out ad on Craigslist, like don't pay dealership rates, take it to me, I know what I'm doing. And what was really smart of him to do back in the early mm-hmm. days was mm-hmm. set up a little camera and film himself doing the repairs. He wasn't getting paid for it, but it was like that speculative time investment that ultimately gave him content for YouTube. Uh-huh. Eventually, started selling like full engine rebuild videos. And over the course of several years, he transitioned from like, you know, if you picture a pie chart, 100% of his income being this service-based hours for dollars type of business to now being almost 100% the opposite, almost 100% time leveraged in the form of digital product sales, YouTube ads, sponsored contract gigs with different companies who discovered his YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So I really loved his example of carving out a portion of your day or portion of your week for this speculative time leverage. You got to build that. It's like Warren Buffett, right? You got to build. That passive right. income or are you going to work until you die?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You won't have so much so many hours in a day. So if you're relying on making money just on the hours, there is a limit, unfortunately, to what you can make. And that's a very well thought out way of making some additional money there. That was pretty good of him to video that. I don't know if he was thinking ahead or he was just like, ah, might as well. <laughs>
0: I don't know, because it's like the YouTube stuff that I've done, like it is time consuming to it, it is very time consuming exactly. create these videos. But maybe he was uh, forward thinking and said, I could see where this is going.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've seen a little bit of an increase of this type of thing on YouTube. I've noticed in my feeds, a lot more people like fitness trainers. They're not in the gyms because all the gyms are closed. So their business dried right up. And I've seen a lot of them have started doing these, hey, here's a workout for at home. And they have, you know, okay, so... Today, is. I'll show you how to do some legs. Tomorrow, I'll show you how to do... They have different workouts they do each day. that They're yeah. releasing for people on how to work out at home during this time or, or whatever. So they've transitioned to a lot like this mechanic of recording what they're doing and putting it out there yeah. to pivot their business.
0: And YouTube is an interesting beast in that it is, from what I've seen, much easier and much faster to rank something in its search engine than it would be on Google. Like if you're starting a brand new site today to try and get something to the top of Google for most terms is going to be an uphill road and it might take several months, even if you know what you're doing. For YouTube, like the algorithm, for whatever reason, can hit a little bit faster, even though it's still Mm. under the Google umbrella. And so what I've seen, even just from creating dumb little demo video. Like if you have a problem that you figured out how to solve, film it, <laughs> make a video, even if it's just like screen recording, like some dumb video that I did on mm-hmm. like how to keep Dropbox from like eating up your local hard drive storage, something like that, or like how to make a folder right. in Gmail. Like sometimes it's the basic questions that people are typing in. And then I look at my YouTube revenue ad analytics and stuff and you're like, oh, that video years later is still cranking out 15, 20 bucks a month in ad revenue. It's like, wow. Okay, if you can start piling a few of these up, maybe it adds, it starts to add up, starts it to build a little bit of a channel.
1: Right, right. Interesting. Did not know that. I'm glad to hear. So, your experience has been that do you have any idea of how the algorithm <laughs> works or is, is everyone still just kind of shooting in the dark with this?
0: I mean, the most important factor is that title of your video. So, mm-hmm. the video is pretty closely matched to what somebody would be typing in how to create ah. a folder in Gmail or something like
1: right, that. Right, right. So this is kind of like the SEO thing where you have to try to figure out, get in the minds of, of what people are are doing. So if you're putting these videos out there, you're pivoting your what your work is, you're putting out some DIYs, maybe you're just trying to sell your business, maybe you're selling the videos, I don't know, but you have to get in the minds of the, the people to figure out what they're looking for. Do you recommend doing like the keyword searching and stuff like that? Or
0: there are definitely some tools that you could use. TubeB is one that I've used for different keyword competitiveness metrics. What's My SERP, I think, will give you a free tool for Google search volume, which you can kind of extrapolate. And there's a bunch of other ones out there. Right. I will caveat that YouTube is a long term game. Like your channel has to hit certain metrics before you're allowed to turn on that monetization. But there is one other. YouTube strategy that I think is really worthwhile to touch on here. And that's the video demo sitting at the top of a sales funnel for a higher priced digital product or service for that matter. Mm. Like Freelancing service could absolutely work too. In fact, I just talked to a guy who was... His channel had less than 300 subscribers, but he booked something insane like half a million dollars worth of ghostwriting gigs last Mm. year on the basis of... Um, targeting these really specific keywords like how to get a publisher or what does a book proposal look like or a book proposal template or something. It was like mm-hmm. you know, really targeted stuff, but it's like the people who are looking right, for right. it. Those are my people, you know? Right, right. But going down the digital product route, a guest on the show, Nate Dotson, used YouTube at the top of his funnel for a microgreens farming business course, which is like, I did not know this was a thing. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> I know. He was super passionate. Oh, they're like, really nutrient dense and they grow into seven days and it's fantastic. But here's, and he sells this course for several hundred dollars and was doing like 40, 50 grand a month worth of sales when we spoke. And the primary traffic driver was this YouTube demo video. And he's got a couple of these up now. It's kind of like, you know, it's him in his garage kind of walking through the process and he kind of time lapses over the course of the week on how this stuff grows. And it drives people back to his website. Hey, sign up for my free mini course or, you know, demo how to do this thing. And then he funnels in through this email sequence on his high priced digital product and he kills it. And it's like, (laughs) just gets your gears turning of like, okay, well, what could I teach? And then you reverse engineer, what are people going to be searching for? to initially find me and he found and many others have found that YouTube was a faster path to reach that audience than creating blog post after blog post and trying to build up an audience through Google.
1: Interesting. Maybe that makes sense. I mean if you think about the like the rise of Netflix, people like these easily accessible videos. Yeah. They like to watch videos. So kind of makes sense. All right. So we've touched on on kind of the trends that's going on. Now there may be some people thinking that, hey, you know, I was thinking about maybe now I have a little extra time, my hands Maybe starting a side hustle, or maybe they didn't have a side hustle before. So they want to maybe start one. What ideas can we talk about on how to help them come up with ideas about what to do for a side hustle?
0: Sure. We can walk through a couple of these frameworks. One that I tend to point to most often is what I call the intersection method, which is a piece of paper with three columns on it. Mm-hmm. Column one is your list of skills, your skills inventory, which is everything you've ever been paid to do. Or right, right. and you can look through your resume, like any job you ever had was a skill somebody thought was worth paying for, right? Right. And then true. the skills you've learned outside of your day job, which for me is like everything over the last 10 years. The the video right, right. editing, rudimentary as it is, the podcasting, all the WordPress stuff. Um right. and then the second column is what do you like to do? What are you interested in? What are your hobbies outside of work? and a recent guest on the show was like, under any circumstance, do not start a business around your passion. He's like, <laughs> and he was like really adamant about this. If you're passionate about it, other people are probably passionate about it. And you gave the fitness example. It's like a super competitive space to try and play in. Right, it, right. When people are passionate, they do irrational things like work for free, like not a place I want to play it. Like, all right, fair enough. But if it's something that you're interested in? Okay, maybe it checks that. Put it down in column two. Column three is the optional column, and that is your existing network. Who do you know? What types of people do you know? And maybe equally importantly, who do they know, right? Well, how can you tap into your network's network? And there's ways around this, but the only reason for column three is like a potential foot in the door for a conversation of who might be interested in this eventual service uh, that I turn around and offer. An example for me personally was... I had a freelance book editing business a Mm -hmm. a few years ago, where column one was like, hey, I was a decent student in English growing up. I'd written a couple books myself at this point. Column two was like, I enjoy reading nonfiction anyways. I was like, okay, this is fine. And then column three, as a result of having written those first couple business books, had embedded myself in some of these uh, self-publishing communities online. And so it was the word of mouth engine kind of started to spin as I raised my hand. Hey, I do some editing work now.
1: Interesting. Okay. So that's a good idea. Put it into the three columns. What other ideas do we have? Other ways can they come up with some ideas?
0: Sure. So let's see. Your, do you, any of these uh, sound interesting to you? Any particular ones from the list you want to dive into?
1: Oh, yeah. From the list. Let's talk about... You have this one. Is I think it's an interesting title. The Rip, Pivot, and Jam Moth Method. Yes. I love this one.
0: So this comes <laughs> from the guys at the Tropical MBA podcast. One of my longest running favorite podcasts to listen to. So how Rip Pivot and Jam works as you think of like MBA Jam where you know, try and steal the inbound right away, right? right You're looking right. for other successful businesses and ripping off their broad strokes idea, like blatantly stealing it, But then equally important is this pivot, this pivot to say, what is another customer that I can serve? What's another industry that I can serve? How can I make it different in some meaningful way, right? Because it's like, it's it's not cool to directly copy people. Although there is the caveat, another guest raised the question of like, dude, how many dry cleaners are in your town? How many sushi restaurants are in your town? Like they all have the same business model, right? Like there's room enough to compete without the pivot. It's like, okay, fair enough. And then the jam is going to town and doing the work. And so there's lots and lots of different examples of this. But one thing that we've seen a rise of in the past several years are like these specialist agencies, if you want to call them in the online world, where like we will help you with your WordPress website. It's basically website insurance. You know, if anything breaks, we'll fix it. If you need tweaks, like you want to move this button six pixels up, like don't try and do that yourself. We'll figure it out for you. (laughs) So a friend of mine saw the success of those types of businesses. And he's like, well, what if we pivoted it to a blog writing service? It's like, okay. So he went to town with that, built it up to 20 grand a month. I've seen others come out and do, oh, we'll do this in the video editing space. I actually hired a service to do this in the podcast editing space where Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, you know, it's kind of this recurring monthly service model, a product as a service model. you can apply that uh, really across a bunch of different mediums. I think it's a pretty creative way to go, but starting with seeing what's working for somebody else and then applying it to your own interests or expertise.
1: Okay, interesting. I think I also want to hit on this one because this I want to know what this is, the sniper method.
0: <laughs> the sniper method is a lot of fun. So if you think of Amazon as a shotgun, they are not sniping anything. It's just a broad, like it's, <laughs> it's the true. everything store, right? Like that's right, the title of the book. So it's the everything approach. And in my early days, like similar to like the price grabbers and next tags, they were the shotguns. Like, hey, we're trying to compare every product under the sun. So instead, you can look at that and say, well, what if we tried to be a sniper instead? What if we tried, instead of just spraying out to this huge potential market, what if we were deadly targeted on a really small segment of that audience? Mm -hmm. So a guest of mine, he had a website dedicated only to like dance clothing, which was a thing. He built a successful business around it. Sure. My site was actually called shoesniper.com and it's later iterations around the same (laughs) idea but lots of different ways. Where How can I carve out a tiny piece of this pie? And maybe that's in the service industry, it could be like, well, if there is all of these agencies providing, let's say, uh, bookkeeping help or tax prep help, it's like, what if you said, no, I will do bookkeeping only for Amazon businesses or trying to carve out a, a specific segment of the market.
1: Right. Okay. It's like niching down to a very specific part.
0: Yeah. And turning your back on everything else and and trusting that there's enough business in this little sniper piece of the pie, that's going to be enough to support you. Interesting.
1: Cool. I like this one too. Uh, I got to admit, shovels in the gold rush method. <laughs> Maybe we're going to go back to gold rushing. Who knows? <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll we'll see if that goes on. So I live in, in the suburbs of San Francisco and the gold rush, you know, I mean, we our team is the 49ers for crazy. Right. The saying is, you know, in a gold rush, sell shovels. And it mm-hmm. recounts this story of the guy, you know, running up and down Market Street, telling everybody about the gold rush but not before going to every hardware store in town and buying up all the shovels. It's like, really dude, come on. But there's a method to the madness here where you see a trend and rather than trying to create a trend on your own or trying to like just go out into the open is say like, okay, what is a rising tide that I can piggyback on? Like what waves are coming or already in motion that I can kind of throw my hat into that ring? And there's lots of software examples in the Amazon space and stuff like that. But it's like, where can I try mm. and piggyback on that? So an example would be like, I think podcasts just surpassed a million podcasts submitted to the Apple Podcasts directory. Right. Like, as more and more people are creating podcasts, what services do all these podcasters need? Maybe they need cover art. Maybe they need editing services. Maybe they need transcription services. Maybe they need show notes writing. I think there's this whole industry that can kind of play along with that trend and kind of piggyback on it.
1: Yep, actually. And I can say I do see more of those services popping up. This podcast has been out for just a little over a year. And I from before I first started to now, there's definitely more services to choose from, which is a good thing. Yes. So we get time for another one. Let's see. What's a good one here? What do you think is a, is a good one for people out of what we have uh, left on your list here?
0: So maybe one of the biggest business ideas, especially if you're starting like completely from zero, I don't know anything, I don't have any skills, I don't know anybody, is this probing for pain method, which mm. I think is fascinating. Where it's like letting prospective customers do the talking and figuring out what hurts. Like, you know, ask the dot where does it hurt? And right, right. So you may have the folks that I've interviewed about this kind of have a little bit of a methodology where like, I want a business that's doing at least 2 million a year and they have five or more employees and bonus points if they were on the Inc 5,000, because that way, you know, you you know, they're serious about growth and stuff, but the conversation starts and you don't need to go into this cold. You can start with your own existing network. Everybody knows a business owner. And if you don't, someone in your network knows a business owner, right? So you can kind of start there and you're going to ask like, you know, tell me, a little bit about your business. What is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now? Or what do you foresee is the biggest challenge facing your industry in the next five or ten years? Like, what is mm-hmm. a typical day look like? And it's, it's like you're not selling anything, you don't have anything to sell. It's just purely trying to figure out what's a pain point. And right, you know, the idea is to get the gears turning on. How can you solve that problem for this person? Like if they've already told you this is a problem. And you could come up with a solution to make that go away that becomes a much easier sell than just creating something out of the blue and mm. trying to find customers for it,
1: if that makes sense. That does make sense. Actually, that's a fantastic idea. I mean, one of the most valuable ways to make money is by filling that value of what people need. It's what do people need? What do they want? And that's a great idea is to talk to people, business owners, and figure out, hey, where's the gaps in your industry? When you find those gaps and you can plug it, that's a great value. And the more valuable that service is, the better your business will be. Right. That makes sense. Great. Yeah.
0: Bonus points. If you can anchor that to some like really high dollar amount where it's like, how of much course. is that costing you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would think that way. That's the way, I, one of the ways I would approach it. If it was me. Yeah. Just listening from you talking, I would definitely go and talk to people. Like I know a couple of people that have some race car shops. I would talk to them and find out, hey, what's your biggest problem with this? When, you know, and figure out what's high value for them.
0: Yeah. You're I think like, oh, that you would you said- be- based on what you're telling me, you're saying this is costing you an hour and a half a day. What do you think that's costing you? Or, you know, customers tend to churn after three months. Like, why do you think that is? What do you think that's costing you? And you're like, if you can anchor that to a big number, then all of a sudden your solution becomes even easier to sign up for.
1: Absolutely. agree. Okay. So before we close for the day, Nick, I'm going to ask you our Wealth Tactic Rebel value bomb, which is, we already talked about this a little bit, but what in your experience, Nick, should people look to avoid doing and what can they do about it?
0: Oh my gosh. The biggest thing to avoid is this perpetual sitting on the sidelines, waiting for the perfect business idea, lightning bolt of inspiration to strike. I don't know that it's out there. I don't know if that perfect business idea exists. Mm -hmm. And we use the example of the dry cleaners and the sushi restaurants. It doesn't necessarily have to be the most innovative, never before seen thing to still work, to still be profitable. And as the pie grows, it doesn't necessarily mean conquesting market share from existing players either. So the most important thing I want to leave people with is like picking what's next does not mean picking what's forever. And that was hard for me early on. Like, well, do I want to be editing books or selling shoes like 50 years from now? It doesn't matter. You probably won't be. You'll probably lead to other conversations and lead to other ideas. But you'll find it's kind of like entrepreneurial physics in a way. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. Right. But the biggest thing is like overcoming that initial inertia just to get
1: started. Mm, Great. I love your analogy there object of emotion, this thing in emotion. It makes perfect sense though. If you don't take that action and start doing something, I've had this happen in my life before too. When I was younger and I was stuck, you know what? I just have to make something happen. I have to make a change and that change may not be the right one, but it's going to lead to another change. And eventually I'm going to get where I want to go. Exactly. And I found that worked for me. So I agree. I agree with that. So Nick, I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge with Side Hustle today. You bet. Thank you for having me. But before we go, anything else you want to share with our listeners about yourself and what you do? Uh,
0: of course, we'd love to have you tune in to the Side Hustle Show available wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you are looking for a big list of potential ideas to get started with, encourage you to check out sidehustlenation.com slash ideas. This is my constantly updated laundry list of part-time business ideas and ways to make extra money that you can start today. And there's no opt-in required over there.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Nick. And I'm going to put your link to your website on our show notes page for today's episode. So if Wealth Tactic Rebels, if you go to WealthTacticRebel.com and look for today's episode, The Side Hustle, The Brave New World, in the show notes there, I'm going to put the link to Nick's Side Hustle Nation website and his ideas there. And so Nick, again, I want to thank you for taking your time out today. I, I mean, I know it's <laughs> we're all busy at home, <laughs> So thank you.
0: Yeah. Hopefully you didn't hear the kids uh, screaming downstairs.
1: No, no. They were pretty good. You know, it's pretty quiet here too. My cats didn't bother us and (laughs) I think we're good to go. All righty. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you rebels for listening in today. And I hope I wish everyone health and have a fantastic day.
0: Want to really see things differently? Take our course, Ingenious Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth-accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes, and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up
1: today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. The Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.